0: Amen. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 19. We'll start where we stopped last time. Uh, Matthew chapter number 19. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. And, and we're going we're to study a real familiar portion of scripture. And we're primarily targeting parents and grandparents. But the truth is here for everybody. It can be applied to everybody. And so I want you to just be in, in paying close attention uh, to what we are, are, are looking at today because the American church is in a crisis. It is in a crisis. When you have, when you have if you'll look in, your, in the top of your notes, you'll see a, a, a quote there. Uh, when, when 88% of all the young people that grow up in church, by the time they leave for college or graduate high school, they leave church never to return. Did y'all hear what I said? I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about kids that have no church experience. I'm talking about kids that were raised in church. We're losing them. These are the ones we're supposed to be keeping. Amen. These are the ones who are supposed to have the training in the, in the development. But why is this happening? Why is this taking place? Well, preacher, I, th- I, I had him in church their whole life. And then they walked away. There's a problem. There's a problem. I think we're going to be able to answer that question this morning. And uh, and there's two groups of people. There's two groups of people we're going to talk about. And and I don't want to end up in the wrong group. Are y'all with me? And you'll see what I mean in just a moment. But I'm afraid. I'm I'm afraid the wrong group is not the group who. It should have been in this particular situation, and you'll see. So, Matthew chapter number 19, let's look in verse number 13. Verse number 13, we stopped in verse 12 uh, last time, so let's just continue where we stopped. Verse 13, if you're there, say amen. amen. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples. Supposed to be the good guys. And the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Now, if you go to the other gospels that cover the same story the same situation... You'll find out that Jesus, he got angry. And this is one of the times, this is one of the times that Jesus was upset. He was greatly disturbed at his disciples for the actions they took in this situation. So I'm telling you that because I want you to, I don't want you to take this as just another Bible lesson or another sermon that we hear and we go back out. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And so keep that in mind. Let's pray and let's see what God has for us today. Are y'all ready to study? Say amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Oh, there's no place I'd rather be than right where I'm standing today. And Lord, I thank you for the encouragement. I thank you for the music and the the words we've read. I pray that your perfect will be done and God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I want to remind everybody before we jump into this message, uh, you, you see a bunch of people around wearing the shirt saved to serve, and they, there is no truer statement that's ever been made. You are saved to serve. We came on business for the king. Amen. Uh, we've gone through a year of, of quarantine and lockdown and pandemic and COVID, and, and uh, it's time, it's time to get back in our groove. Say Amen. Listen, just because of the the situation that happened last year, uh, that doesn't mean people hadn't stopped going to hell. People are still going to hell. People still need the gospel. And thank God for those who were saved yesterday in our outreach event. Say amen. DMD folks was out and sharing the gospel. And I think four, Brother Melvin, was it four? Six. There were six that trusted in Christ. And we give God praise and glory right there. So if you're not signed up, if you're not signed up to serve this coming Easter, please do that. We need some help. We're going to have an extra service, and uh, we need some extra help. So please stop by, uh, see one of these folks with the Save to Serve shirt on, and they'll help you get to where you need to get. And all God's people say it. Amen. Now, here we find two different groups of people, and I, I want to I share with you. Uh, it, it, before I go into this, some of y'all are going to think I'm getting on to you. And, and I'm not getting on to you. I'm just I'm just preaching the verses, okay? And and I I understand this as good as anybody in here. Uh, we only know what we know. Did y'all hear me? We only know what we know, and we know what we know till we know better. But once we know better, we need to do better. And and what what do I mean by that? You're going, to, you're going to find described here some of the things that you may be guilty of or that you may have done in your life, and you're going to say, well, that's what I thought I was supposed to do, and, and we only know what we know. We know we do what we know till we know better. Today, you're going to know better, and all God's people say it. Amen. Now, uh, for the sake of the children, for the sake of the children, I always wondered about this. What in the world? Why is it, why is it that the kids I grew up with, and I started thinking last night, I, I was driving down the road, and I'm trying to think in my mind, some of the kids that I grew up with that went to Sunday school with me, uh, that went to church with me, uh, are they still in church? And I couldn't, I couldn't hardly think of any. I mean, literally, I've been in church my whole life. And the kids that grew up with me, I'm trying to think, was this one in church? Is that one in church? I couldn't hardly think of any at all. And I guarantee you this, if you started thinking about it and you started going back and tracing, all right, how many did I go to church with growing up is still in church today? Now, there's a problem. What in the world is the problem? Because we need to fix it. Say amen. amen. Now, in this story, in this situation that we find with Jesus, We have parents, we have parents, Uh, and, and, and if you look in the other Gospels and you compare them together, you'll find out that they were not just bringing toddlers, they were bringing babies, little babies. They wanted to bring their children to Jesus. Say amen. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, and we'll talk about the first group of people. The first group of people that we see here is this. Look in verse 13. Then were there... What's it say? The next three words. Then were there brought unto him. him. Then were there brought unto him little children. So number one, if you're writing this down, write this down. We see a pattern to follow. A pattern to follow. And I made these in statements. I made these the the the, the, the subpoints in statements. Okay. Uh, what what is the pattern to follow? What is the pattern to follow? Without question, we have a group of people who are bringing their children to Jesus. Would you, would you agree with that? They're bringing their children to Jesus. So here's what I want you to write down in the notes, okay? What is the pattern we need to follow? We need to bring to Jesus, not just to church. We need to bring our children to Jesus, not just to church. You say, Oh, I bring them to church all the time. But do you bring them to Jesus? There's a lot of people that's taken their kids to church, but they've never taken them to Jesus. I was I was in, and this is this I don't want to say this is a revelation because I, I'm not that spooky and that spiritual. I mean, I'm I'm sometimes I, I'm just barely saved. Say amen. But I was sitting in I was sitting in our Hispanic our Hispanic church. And, 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 and we were teaching, and, and, and you know we have to have a translator, so that makes it a, a, a twice-long service, amen? Uh, uh, we, were, we were there, and we were dealing with an issue. One of the issues dealing with the Hispanic population, the majority of the Hispanic population, their background is Catholic. It's Catholic. And, and many, many Catholics, they feel like they are betraying the church... If they go to a Baptist assembly and, and so there is a problem and there is a obstacle, if you will, if you say, cause what, what do we all do? This was, this has been my, this has been my go-to forever. Hey, do you get to go to church anywhere? If you don't get to go to church anywhere, I want to invite you to my church, right? I want to invite you to my church. Well, the obstacle is this. If I they'll say, what church? And if you say Baptist church, then automatically there's a wall there. But you know what? Nowhere in scripture does it say invite them to church. But it does say bring them to Jesus. And so we've had to change. We've had to change some of our. I don't want to say the word philosophy, methodology would be a good instead of, and, and I, I had to encourage them. And, and this is what made me, that caused me to think about what we're doing. And, I, and I'm saying, listen, let's not worry about inviting them to Inglésia Bautista. Let's worry about getting them to Jesus. Because if we can get them to Jesus, they will get to church. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid we've been so busy and so concentrated on getting them to church because we think, we've been told this our whole life, oh, you just got to get in church, you just got to get in church. Like there's some fairy dust that'll fall on them and fix them if we get them in this building. Do I have a witness? And we've got to do more. And, and by the way, this is going to seem a little repetitious, but it'll be explained more in the second point what the difference is in the first point. You're going to think, well, what what else? What do you mean bring him to Jesus, not just a church? You'll see. You'll see. Look what it says in in Psalm 78. Psalm 78. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Who do fathers tell that to? Their children. We will not hide them from their... Now watch what, watch what, we're, watch what we're going to show them. Showing to the generation to come the, the praises of the Lord. And His... And His... Which we, He which we had done. Now, I, it doesn't say, we're going to tell them all the rules... We're going to tell them all the thou shalt nots. We're going to tell them all the thou shalts. You see, the second sub, write this down and we'll talk about it. We want to bring them to Jesus, not just to church, by doing this. We want to emphasize relationship more than regulations. We want to emphasize relationship more than regulations. If you get them into church and you tell them everything they're doing wrong, everything they're supposed to do right, but you never tell them how good God is, you never tell them how powerful God is, you never tell them what kind of relationship God wants to have. He is a personal God. It's not the do's and the don'ts. It's the relationship that they can have with him. It's a personal God that'll walk with him. He will give them the power to do the do's and not do the don'ts. Say amen. Amen. But what happens is, what happens is, is we lay down the law and we give them the rules and the regulations, but we don't develop a relationship and rules without relationship creates rebellion. Because we don't do the do's and not do the don'ts because we're afraid. We do it because we love Jesus and he's been so good to us. We want to please him. But too many of us do the exact opposite. We tell them God's going to strike you down if you don't, and so it's out of fear, not love. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. We emphasize the do's and don'ts. Now here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. I was so guilty of this. One of the, one of the situations with, 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 with Jordan one time, I, I, it kind of opened my eyes that the only time she heard from me is when she done something wrong. When she wore something I didn't like or didn't approve of or did something. There was never never that, hey, you did great with this. Or, man, that's a good job here. It was always. And I'm afraid we do the same thing with our kids when it comes to Christ. we got to bring them to Jesus, not just to church. We have to emphasize relationship more than regulation. Do you see? He said brag on his works. Brag on his strength. Sing the praises of God that they may set their hope in God. How many of y'all have realized that kids will never set their hope in the commandments? But if you brag about how big God is and how wonderful God is and how loving God is and what God can do for them, they can set their hope in that. Because I've never seen a set of rules that could get me through a dark valley. Amen. Amen. Watch this. We need to bring them to Jesus, not just to church. And remember, I said in the second point, we're going to explain more on that. We need to emphasize, say it with me, we need to emphasize more than regulations. Now, now, let me me show you something real quick. I got to hurry because I I know I'm going to run out of time. But this is how this works. This is how this works. The Bible says that we love him... Because, somebody say it, he first loved us. us. So his love is an action. Our love is a Reaction. reaction. Does that make sense? So the more I know about his action, my reaction is going to be to love him. The more I learn about what he's done for me, the more I learn about How much he loves me, the more I'm going to love him. And we try to control our children with threats and rules and regulations. And we don't teach them about God's love and who he is and what he wants to do for them. And the kind of relationship he wants to have with them. And we create rebellion. We do. Listen. Understand this. Not only bring them to Jesus, not just to church. Emphasize relationship more than regulations. Understand, see, understand influence at home is greater than at church. Influence at home is greater than influence at church. Now I'm going to chap some of you right here. But you need to hear this. The one thing that dawned on me, the one thing that dawned on me of why so many kids that heard the same thing at church, they heard the same thing I did. They heard the same teaching, the same preaching, got the same Bible, sung the same songs, but what was different? They didn't get at home what I got. We all got the same thing at church. We all got the same teaching. We all got the same preaching. We all got the same influence at church. But we didn't get the same at home. Hmm. I want y'all to look at this. I got a picture. Do they got that picture back there? It's kind of blurry, but you'll get the point. These ping pong balls represents the hours of influence that's on children. Can y'all see that little vase at the bottom on the left? If you can see that wave at me. Everybody can see that? That represents how many hours we get them. Talking about church. Your your, your children's pastor. Your your nursery director. Your pastor. That's That's how much we get them. The one on the right represents the hours that you get them. But when little Johnny goes astray... It's always the little vase's fault. We want to blame the youth pastor. We want to blame the pastor. We want to blame the church that let them down. That didn't fix them when we brought them to church. Can y'all see the insanity of that? I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many Parents I've had to deal with and talk to that would come and say, I had him in church every week. But let me ask you a question. Which one of them you think is going to have more influence on them? Y'all sleep this morning? This is convicting, isn't it? You can't just bring him to church. You got to get him to Jesus. Now, this group, they're bringing their kids to Jesus. They're not bringing them to church. They're bringing them to Jesus. They want Jesus to touch them. They want Jesus to have his way with them. They want to get them to Jesus. And man, that should be our goal. That should be our dream, that should be our prayers, that should be our desires. uh, Listen, your your, your dream should not be that they play professional sports. It should not be that they make a bunch of money. It should be that they know Jesus. Listen, it's one thing not actively bringing them like the pattern shows. But some groups will even actually hinder them. This is the second group. I want you to write this down. Not only do we see a pattern to follow, but we see a problem to avoid. A problem to avoid. Look what it says. These parents were bringing; they, they had a desire to get their kids to Jesus, which is which is the greatest thing to do. But it says they brought them that he should put his hands on them. This is verse thirteen and pray, and, uh-oh, uh-oh, I got something from over here, but I didn't hear nothing on this side. And, uh, again, again, help me, people. And, uh, these were the good guys. But what did the disciples do? Rebuke them and said, stay away. Now, in the terminology that's used, it literally means they were hindering. It's one thing. Are, are y'all seeing what I'm seeing? It's one thing not to actively bring them. It's a whole nother animal to actually be hindering them. It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the Sadducees. It wasn't the publicans. It wasn't the sinners. It wasn't the drunks. It was disciples hindering them from getting to Jesus. And you know what I've seen over the years in my church experience? Listen, we as church people, we as Christians trying to follow Jesus, we can be the ones actually hindering our kids from getting to Jesus. You remember what I said? I'm not getting on to you. I'm telling you, I, 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 this is something I've learned because we only know what we know. You know what my, did, my dad did? What he saw done. My dad did with me what he saw done with him. And so I started doing what I saw him do with me, with my kids, until I learned better. Let me tell you something. Just because Paul Paul done it, don't make it right. Just because of the church you you lived in your whole life, just because they did it a certain way, that don't make it right. Just because you do something wrong a long time, don't make it right. Now I'm going to just keep right on plowing through. Y'all can get with me or get over it. It don't matter to me. Tradition doesn't make anything right. Truth makes it right. So we don't know what we don't know till we know it. But once we know it, God is going to hold us accountable to do it. Now, how do we hinder them? How do we hinder? How can good, godly people, and I'm telling you that, good, godly people who mean well, who thinks they're doing what they're supposed to do because that's all they know. That's what they see. How do we hinder them? How do we hinder them? Judges chapter number two. This is a story of Joshua. It's one of the saddest, saddest chapters in the Bible. It says Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old and they buried him in the bo- And by the way, before I read this, keep in mind that Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy was written. It's called the second law. It was the second time God gave them their instructions and their responsibilities. Because, y'all remember, he gave it to them first at Mount Sinai, but then they rebelled and did not go into the promised land, so he had to take them out in the wilderness 40 years till they all died off. The adults, right? And so before they go into the promised land, before they go into the promised land, we see Deuteronomy. It's a second giving of the law. In other words, God said, let me remind you one more time, what you need to know before you go in here. And, and he re- reminded them, don't forget who I am. Amen. Don't forget who brought you here. When you get houses that you did not build, wells that you did not dig, vineyards that you did not plant. When you have been blessed and you prosper, beware. That was the word that was used, King James. Beware that thou forgettest not the Lord. But guess what they did? They forgot. And Deuteronomy says, "Teach your children, amen. teach them who I am, teach them what I have done, show them everything." But they didn't. Look what it says, verse ten, Judges two ten. Y'all there say Amen. amen. And also that generation were gathered into their fathers. What does that teach us, ladies and gentlemen? We're all going. Now, you can make your child do right now, but you're going to die. What are they going to do when you're not there to influence them? Watch what happens. It says, and there arose another after them. Read it with me. Which? Nor yet the. The the "Mm, And the children of Israel did oh I lost you. And the children of Israel did evil. evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. fathers. He wasn't the God of the children. He was the God of their fathers. What a sad commentary. Because the fathers did not transfer the truth to the children. And I got, I got a lot of theories on that, and we'll, we'll explain that in a minute. But do y'all see what happened? You know what I see here? You know what I see here? That generation that come up after Joshua and them, that's our 88%. That's the kids that we're bringing up in church. Are y'all seeing this with me? I know this is hard to hear. This, this seems like it's harder than the last weeks. As hard as that was. But this is the deal. If we don't open our eyes. Look. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other. Watch this. Watch this. Of the gods of the people that were. Guess what? Guess what? If we don't do something to bring them to Jesus, the devil's got enough influence round about them. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. How can we as God's people, good people who mean well, how can we hinder our children from getting to Jesus? Let me give you a few things that you can do to hinder them. First, eight, leave Jesus at church. Leave Jesus at church. Preacher, now how in the world do you leave Jesus at church? Do you ever talk about him at home? Is the only time you open your Bibles when you're at church? Do you have to have a mad scramble on on Sunday morning to try to find your Bible because you don't know what you did with it Sunday afternoon when you come home? Is the only spiritual conversation we have at home is saying the blessing over the food? Can I I have my ping pong balls back up there? That's leaving Jesus at church. Do you know what? You know what the scripture said in Deuteronomy that God commanded the fathers? He said, I want you to talk about it in the morning. I want you to talk about it during the day. I want you to talk about it before they go to bed. Hello. Amen. He said, I want you to put it on the doorpost. And by the way, by the way, they're still doing that in Israel today. If you will go in the motel, some of y'all are going to go with us in December. December. And you'll go, before you go into your motel room, you'll see there's some scripture in Hebrew right above the door because that's what God told them to do. In other words, parents, everywhere they turn, they need to see scripture and God and everything. What do you talk about the most? Do you leave Jesus at church? This is not complicated. You know what I'm going, you know what I'm talking about. Is the only time that you talk to your kids about God or church or scripture or the Bible or eternity, heaven or hell, is it at church Sunday morning and you forget about it all week long? Let me tell you what you're doing. You're not only not bringing them to Jesus, you're hindering them from getting to him. B. How do we, how do we hinder our kids from getting to Jesus? I'm talking about church people. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about church people. First, we leave Jesus at church. B, then we fail to make God a priority. Everything else is more important than God. God only gets leftovers. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we've allowed sports to really become idolatry in America. When I was growing up, And I always hated that when people done that. Well, when I was a kid, you know, I hated that. And here I am doing it. But when we played ball in Little League and, and, and all of that, you never played on Sunday. Never. Wasn't even heard of. Matter of fact, if we had practice on Wednesday... You quit early so you can go to church on Wednesday. But now it's. Now, I know what's up. Oh, you just hate sports. Are you kidding me? I love sports, I love it all. But what I'm afraid we've done, and you don't even do it intentionally. Well, preacher, I go to church when we're not playing. You know what that's telling your kid? You're telling your kid without saying it that them sports are more important than God. That's what's happening. And what, and and I'm afraid, I'm afraid now it's going to get worse. So y'all might as well just, if y'all didn't kick me out from the last sermon, you, you, it's not the kid's fault. And the kid is not worshiping idolatry. Parents are. Parents are worshiping their children. And I'm afraid many of them are trying to live their life over again through their child. I have seen children that don't even want to be on the field, but their parents are making them. That's because they were sorry at sports and they're hoping to revive it and do something better through their kid and little Johnny don't even want to be there. Out in the eye with throwing his glove up in the air. Yeah. And listen, I'm trying to make a little light and a little levity because this is such a serious topic. And, and God is not Our priority. He's what's left over. Let me tell you, let me tell you how God said to the children of Israel, how to, how to, where to put the, 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 the ark of the covenant in the, in the temple, the, the tabernacle, excuse me, the tabernacle, which was the tent before they made the permanent temple. When they were to travel through the wilderness, he said, you put the tabernacle right here and all the camp camped around the tabernacle, which made the tabernacle the center of life. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is God the center of you and your children's life? Or is he out here on the outskirts? Seek ye first. Unless a man hate his father, his mother, his sisters, his brothers, even his own life, he cannot be my. In other words, God said, I gotta be first. I have to be first. And you can hinder your child from getting to Jesus by failing to make God a priority. This is funny. It's not funny. But do you know what would have happened? How many, how many of y'all know my father? Y'all, y'all come, you know. If you don't know him, he's the older gentleman. that will sit on the front and wave his cane. <laughs> and if he gets real happy, don't get real close. <laughs> but he pastored forever. And I grew up in a pastor's home. Brother Micah, what do you think would have happened? If I would have got up one Sunday morning and said to my father, "What are we going to do today?" Remember that cane? There was there was there was not even a question. There was not even a, there was not even the slightest hint of wonder. What we were going to do on the Lord's Day. Are y'all with me? I'm just trying to tell you. But it wasn't that way with all the kids in the church and all the parents in the church. Do your kids know that God is first and everything else is secondary? Listen, they're only going to know if he really is. And by the way, I don't know if y'all know this, but little people are little geniuses. And they're like little wicked geniuses. I, I got Bible for that. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. My dad quoted this regularly, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. He thought I was real foolish, I reckon. I don't know cuz he How do we hinder? How do we hinder our kids from getting to Jesus? Leave Jesus at church, fail to make God a priority. This is big right here. Fail to make faith personal. Fail to make faith personal. You you need to do everything you can to help teach your children that he's not God of the world. He's God of their world. He's a personal God. He's actually waiting in the morning for them to wake up. He's waiting to walk and talk with them and fellowship with them and answer their prayers and speak to them and love them. Are you all with me? And fellowship with them. My dad was a master at this. My dad never built a humongous church. Bethel probably the largest was probably 125. But man, he knew how to make God personal to me and my brother and my sister. He would make everything about God. Everything. I've told you all this before. How many of y'all remember me telling you the story out on the jetty when we were saltwater fishing and seeing the pelicans? Yeah. Really? How many of y'all have never heard that? Raise your hand if you've never heard a pelican story. Oh, that's plenty good enough. Yeah. <laughs> me and my little brother, we as little old bitty things. And we were out on the jetty, the jetty's rocks that go out into the ocean. Brother Mickle, you've seen it when we went out, th- those rocks that went out. And we were sitting there fishing, and here's pelican. How many of y'all know what a pelican is? Google it if you don't know. It's a big old bird with a big old. I'm about to get one like him. Amen. You know. And they'll dive down in the water and catch a mullet, and then they'll throw their old head back and swallow that. Dad says, Watch them pelicans. He said, They'll thank God for their meal. I looked at my brother like he said, Yeah, they will. He said, they wave their little tails at God every time. Watch them, watch them. They'll thank God by waving their little tail for their little mullet. <laughs> Me and my brothers, we watch watching. All of a sudden, this pelican swoops down, shroom, hits the water. He throws his old head back. The fish goes up and the fish goes down, and we watch his little tail, and it goes. He did. He said, see? Even the animals got enough sense to thank God for their meal. And man, I thought, "Wow!" And little did I know that I got older, that that was the water running he was shaking the water off.) <laughs> but my dad took just an ordinary thing to teach his boys that God's real. And God takes care of even the birds of the air. Hey, it's biblical. Did Jesus not say that He takes care of the sparrows? Dad just used a pelican. He made it personal to us. When we'd have a problem or a need, He'd say, Did you pray about it? Pray about it. See what God will do. Taught us when we were real little that God will answer your prayer. And you know what happens when he does? You know what happened to my little faith? Wow. He wasn't y'all's God. He was my God. You know, I, I'm afraid that many of y'all are not doing that because he isn't personal to you. Please teach your kids. He's personal. He's personal. That that this is not about a set of rules, about a set of do's and don'ts. It's about a real God who has real love and real power and wants a real relationship with them. Listen, how do we hinder our kids from getting to Jesus? We leave Jesus at church, we fail to make God a priority, we fail to make faith personal. D, this is huge. We openly criticize church or church leadership. I don't have time to go to number 16, but I challenge you to go look at Korah. Korah and his group came against Moses and said, you're taking too much on yourself. we're, We're, you know, we're, we're, we're spiritual too. They begin to criticize Moses's leadership. And to make a long story short, make a long story short, God opened up the earth and swallowed them whole into hell. I want to, I want to, really this may be the most important one of all of these. When you criticize church and you talk all the way home about what you didn't like, your kids are listening to that. When you say, well, I'd have done this, and I'd have done that, and I'd have done it," No, you wouldn't have, because you ain't. Right. If you would have, you already would have. But God didn't call you to that, so stick, stay in your lane. Amen. Your I don't come to nobody's shop and tell them, this is how you're supposed to fix that 350 Chevrolet. <laughs> I don't go into any other person's business and say, now, I think of what you're doing right here. And I'm not trying to defend me. I don't have to. God does good enough to do that. I'm just trying to tell you what you're doing to your kids every time you criticize church or church leadership. Because what you're doing when you criticize, you're saying they're wrong. And they don't know what they're doing. So when little Johnny turns into a teenager or turns into a little young hoodlum and you try to say, preacher, talk to him. You've done discredited the preacher his whole life. And you've done ruin the confidence in the man of God that he should have had. Do you think he's going to listen to somebody who you've criticized his whole life? It's the same principle of don't tell your kids that the cops if you don't straighten up he's going to get you. That's stupid. Because that kid needs to have confidence that he can go to the police when he has a problem. And your kid needs to have confidence in the man of God. Well, I don't think he's right. Well, go to one that you do. If you don't think he's right, then why are you here? Go find one. I'm not saying they're all right. I'm not saying every man of God right. I'm not saying every preacher in the pulpit because they're not all men of God. Dr. Biggs told me, listen, that preachers are a dime a dozen, but real men of God are few and far between. And I'm not saying just to believe everybody or just to, to, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. But listen, if you don't think the one's right that you're sitting under, sit under a different one. Or take it up with him. Not in front of your kids. Not in front of your kids. Criticism. They remember that. Be careful. Be careful what you say. I was sitting I was sitting in a, a chicken joint. It's bad to say amen. And I, I can remember this to this day. I was sitting with me and my family and there was like two or three families sitting together at another and they, was just, they were just railing on everything from church that day. They didn't like this. They didn't like this song. They thought this was just... And I mean the whole conversation. I'm going to tell you all this. I'm going to tell you all this. It took all the spirituality I had in me not to get up and say, guys, I don't know where y'all go to church, but I sure don't want to go there. I had had 10 minutes of the conversation and I was already disgusted. What do you think those kids have every week? And we wonder why when that kid has the ability to make his own choice and make his own decision that he leaves never to come back. Put my, can, can I have my ping-pong balls? When that kid don't come back, that vase gets the blame. When all of this time, they're criticizing all of the little vase. But yet it's the vase's fault they won't come back. And I've never understood that anyway. To this day, I've never understood any, any, nowhere, shape, form, or how. How if you don't like something, why do you keep coming? If I don't like a restaurant, baby, you got me one time. You ain't. I'm not gonna keep coming. I'm saying these are the sorriest hamburgers I eat every week. Can anybody see how stupid that is? I'm I'm feeling a little carnality coming, so I'm going to have to chill just a minute. (laughs) But I'm going to have to tell you, I'm tired of losing our kids. And I mean this as sincere as I can. If you don't like it here... Don't think there ain't tons of other churches you can find. I'm not saying we got it all together. Dear God knows I know that ain't the truth. But if it's in temples, not for everybody. But if you can't get with the program you better find a place you can and get them kids plugged in and quit criticizing church because this is what you're doing and you don't even realize it. All they hear is you're not criticizing the preacher, you're criticizing God. Because that's who the kids associate. Number three, the power to bestow. Verse 15. This is talking about Jesus. Let's go quick. Everybody read it with me. And he. And he laid his hands on them. There's a power to bestow. If there's anything I want to see in my kids, I want to see God's hand on them. I challenge you to go all through the Bible and look at at the hand of the Lord and what happens when God's hand is on somebody. Listen, let me give you three things because we're way over time. God's hand is a hand of provision. Nehemiah said this, Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace and appertain to the house. And for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter in. He said, I need walls to build the walls. I need, I need timber to build the walls. I need lumber to build the walls. I need lumber to build my own house. Are y'all with me? I, I need walls to build the, 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 the palace. And watch what it says. And the king, Brandy. come on everybody, and the king, Brandy. according to the, Brandy. I don't have time to go into this, but I challenge you to go back and read Nehemiah. Nehemiah has got a burden for the, for the city that has been burned and, and, and looted. And he says, hey, he goes to the king and he's asking for the world. He could have been killed just for asking the king this stuff. He said, I need lumber. I need protection. I need a letter. I need even lumber for my own house. And you know what the Bible says? King said, okay. You know what happens when the hand of God is on you? God gives you favor with men. God gives you provision. You know, there's one thing I know. I'm going to die. And before I die, I want to know my kids are going to be provided for. And you know, the only way that's going to happen is if I know God's hand is on them. Because if God's hand is on them, it don't matter who they're married to, it don't matter what kind of job they have, they're going to be provided for. And this is what I want them to have. Listen, it's the hand of provision. B, it's the hand of prosperity. And before you start saying, I'm a prosperity preacher, just cool your jets a minute. Because you don't really know what prosperity is. Prosperity is not a new car. It's not a bigger house. It's not tons of money in the bank. Ecclesiastes 2.24. There is nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink. And that he should make his soul. That make his soul. Enjoy. Say it with me. Say it again. Enjoy good in his labor. This. What? The ability to enjoy what you have. That it was from the. Do you realize. That there's a person over here. That's living in a mansion. Driving a Mercedes. Tons of money in the bank. Could eat lobster every day. And he's miserable. And yet you got a fellow over here. That ain't, ain't got anything. Barely getting by. Going to eat bologna tonight. But as happy as a fat baby in the phone booth with a pocket full of quarters. You know why? The ability to enjoy what you have doesn't come from what you have. It comes from the hand of the, the hand of the Lord. That's prosperity. How is it prosperity if you have everything but can't enjoy it? Prosperity is being able to enjoy what you have. Amen. Amen. Lastly, you see, we want the hand of the Lord on our kids because it's a hand of provision. It's a hand of prosperity. See, it's a hand of power. Acts eleven twenty one. 21, the Bible says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, talking about the disciples, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Luke 166 says, and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? This is talking about John Baptist. And the hand of the Lord was with him. No greater New Testament character than John Baptist, besides Jesus. You know why he was so powerful? He had the hand of God on him. Ladies and gentlemen, Y'all look at me just a minute. I'm like way over time. And we're going to have to, matter of fact, stand up. Let's hurry this thing along. <laughs> it's one thing to not actively try to bring your kids to Jesus. It's a whole nother thing actually hindering them from getting to him. But any way you want to cut it. Our children need God's hand on them. Amen. But watch this now. Watch this. They had to get them to Jesus first. Did y'all see that? Let's get them to Jesus. Not just church. Say it with me. Let's get them to Jesus. Get them to Jesus. Not, just Not just church. How do we do that? Let's take Jesus home with us. Let's talk about Jesus at, at the dinner table. Let's talk about what he's done for us when we got home from work. Let's talk about answered prayers. A.D., the greatest thing we could ever do for our children or grandchildren. Grandchildren. Is pray that God's hand would be on them. And all God's people say it.